Okay, so uh, for this morning's Semin Allah, we're going to discuss a shayla that I mentioned the other night but never got to answer. So uh, it may take a little more than 10 minutes, but I thought it was a very gishmak shayla. So on the first uh, Shabbos here in camp, the, well, before you guys got here, but at the uh, staff orientation Shabbos, on Friday night, a counselor came over to me and he said that he had arrived late to the Suda Shabbos and he had missed Kiddush and Hamotzi. So no big deal. You can uh, get grape juice from the kitchen. You can say Kiddush and get two challah rolls and say Hamotzi. But the problem is that he is a Sephardi guy and all of the challahs are egg challahs. And as a Sephardi, he's not allowed to say Hamotzi on egg challahs. So he had with him in one hand a couple of, of uh, challah rolls that were egg challahs. And in the other hand, he had sliced bread. He had gone to the kitchen and he asked if he had any real bread that even a, a Sardi person could say a mozi, and they gave him a loaf of sliced bread. So he wanted to know, what do I do now? Do I, uh, how do I, how am I going to say Lecha Mishnah? So I thought this was a fascinating question, and it relates to a number of different sugyas. First of all, Svartim and Egg Chala. This is an important thing, because if you ever have Svartim guests at your house, do not be insulted if they come with their own chalas because they're doing that because they have to, because very often in uh, an Ashkenazi home, we only have egg chalas and they're not allowed to say a mozi on that. Uh, I had many Talmudim over the years they would come with like, uh, with like uh, two, two pitas or wraps in their pocket and they would uh, take that out for, uh, for, their, for their lecha mishnah, not because they didn't trust our kashrus, but because they didn't trust our brachos. That was the, uh, the issue. So what is the, uh, the issue with svartim and egg chalas? So there are p- three opinions in Rishonim regarding uh, what the definition of Pasababa Kisnin uh, really is. Mm-hmm. Rabbein Chananel and the Aruch defined it, defined Pasababa Kisnin as bread that's baked with a pocket full of honey or sugar or nuts or spices, meaning uh, something that's uh, similar to what we would call a pie or something like that, where there's a filling inside the dough. The second possible shita is the Rambam in the third paragraph of Hilchus Brachos, who defines it as a dough where the dough itself is very sweet. There's a lot of sugar or honey or something added into the dough, what we would call cake. When you eat cake, the dough itself is very sweet. It's not because it has any filling or anything anything else, but it has to be noticeably uh, sweet. That, uh, and that's why uh, the many can say that uh, the idea of mizono spread is somewhat of a fallacy, because if it tastes like bread, it's not sweet enough for it to be uh, for it, for it to be possible be kissing so that's uh, that's why even if it, it has apple juice as opposed to water in it but if the apple juice for whatever reason doesn't make the dough so sweet then uh, then that's not the dominant flavor at least for Ashkenazim if that's not the dominant flavor then uh, then it would not be uh, possible be kissing it would actually that it would actually still be hamotzi so that is the shita of the rama that the rama holds that it's called a cake when there's a considerable a considerable amount of honey or whatever that to, to the point that it's uh, that it's become a very uh, sweetened uh, dough. Uh, the mechaber, however, holds that even if it's not so sweet, but uh, but it, there's some sweetener added to the dough, so that's going to be enough to call it uh, pasaba bekisnin. Then the third shita is that uh, the, about pasaba bekisnin is that of Rav Haigon, where he says that if it's brittle or flaky, like a cracker or something like that, that's pasaba bekisnin. So interestingly, Shulchan Aruch paskins like all three of 
of these shitos, Shulchan Paskins, that any of these definitions would be a mezonos and not a hamotzi, and uh, it's a discussion in Achronim why we paskin like all three. Normally, when you have a three-way machlokas in halacha, you paskin like one of the the shitos. However, the Shulchan writes that dough baked that's filled with uh, not something sweet, but let's say it's filled with meat or fish or cheese or something like that, that would be hamotzi because those types of foods are all meal-type foods and that, that therefore would make it uh, hamotzi. Maybe tomorrow we'll do a Temen Alachshir on yesterday's lunch and whether that was hamotzi or mizonos because it was dough filled with cheese, but not for now. So now, once you have something that's pasaba bekisnin, so there, the, uh, the halacha is that it's mizonos unless you kovea su'uda on it. Once you kovea su'uda, so then it, uh, it becomes... Uh, it becomes hamotzi. But what is it, what, how do we define what's called kovea su'udanit? So the Kafachayim writes in Orachayim Simkuf Samaches, and Ravadia writes in Yechavadat, Chelegimel Simen Yudbeis, that in order to make a hamotzi on Pasababakistin, you have to be kovea su'udan on the Pasababakistin alone. You have to eat enough of that cake, of that pie, of that Pasababakistin, that that itself is going to make up a suda. It's not enough that you have some Pasababakistin and a bunch of other foods that together make up a suda. You have to have a lot of the Passover Kisnin. You have to be Kovea Suda on that itself. And that is the Svartic Psak, that typically what you need is four Kibetzim of Passover Kisnin, which is estimated to be about 216 grams, which is like a lot. That's a lot, a lot, of, uh, a lot of bread. Uh, so when I told this fellow, why not just uh, be Kovea Suda on the egg chala, and then you'll, he said, I'm not eating that much egg chala. That's going to be a huge amount of, uh, of chala to eat. It's 216 grams of, uh, of chala. Ashkenazim followed the sheet of the Magen Avram and the Mishnah who say that no, you don't have to be Kovea Suda on the Passover B'Kissin itself if you're eating meat and you're eating fish and you're eating kugel and you're eating, and you're also having some mizonos. That's cool that you're being Kovea Suda, and therefore you would you would say a mozi. So you're at a shmorg at a wedding or something, and there's uh, you know you're at uh, uh, Marina because they have the best shmorg. So they and, and and there's there's meat and there's chicken and there's all this other stuff, and there's uh, and you have a little mizonos, a little piece of cake, a little something. So that's a real shayla. Better stay away from the cake. Use the stomach space on the sushi and the meat and everything else. The, uh, the, 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 by, by having that little piece of cake, if you're Ashkenazi, you're very likely entering into uh, an area where you might have to say hamotzi on that cake, because that itself might be kviyasudah, particularly if you're not staying for the main, if you're only there for the shmur, where you're really trying to fill up. So then it really becomes that you're being kviyasudah, and for an Ashkenazi person, that, could, that, that all combines to the sheer kviyasudah. But again, for a Svardi, it doesn't. For a Svardi, it's only uh, that you're only going to say Amotzi and Pasababakistin if you have enough of the Pasababakistin. It, it, it happens to be Svardim. Don't say hamotzi on on matzah throughout the year on hard matzah Sfardi matzah yes but unlike the uh, on the matzahs that Ashkenazim use because one of the definitions of pasavabikisin is that it's brittle it cracks it breaks like a like a cracker a matzah is essentially a cracker it's, in fact it's a big kasha on Ashkenazim that the post can discuss why in the world we say hamotzi on uh, on matzah so the the explanation is probably something along the lines of well it's our only bread that we can have on Pesach. So we treat it like bread on Pesach. So Mela, once we treat it like bread on Pesach, and we say Amotzi on Pesach, so we treat it like bread throughout the whole rest of the year. Svardim would, would say Amotzi on it on Pesach, but not... 
throughout the rest of the year, only on uh, on Pesach. Slavdafka didn't Pesach. Whenever they're treating it as their main bread, meaning, for example, like this past year, Achron Shal Pesach was on Shabbos. So let's say you're a Svarti living in Israel. So Shabbos was the day after Pesach, but you don't have any access to any bread. So Rabbi Tzion Abba Shaul writes, yeah, you would still say Hamotzi then, if you're a Sephardic person living in Israel, you would still say Hamotzi on the Matzah on the day after Pesach, because that's still the only access that you have to, that you have to, the, uh, to the bread. Yalkut Yosef writes that Sephardim can say Hamotzi on Matzah throughout the year if they have it as part of a meal, even if they don't have 216 grams of it, because it's something that people normally eat along with meal-type foods, and that's what makes it different than other pasta babakistan like pie and cake, which are usually eaten as a dessert type of food. But if it's normally eaten as a meal type food, then Yalkut Yosef writes, Svarim can say, Hamotzi uh, on matzah. Now this all brings us to egg challah. So the mechaber paskins that the bracha on egg challah is mizonos. The Ramah holds that we say Hamotzi on sweetened bread, but the mechaber holds that bread baked with sweetening agents like honey or sugar is halachically cake, and it's therefore mizonos. Now, Rabbi Tzion Abba Shaul in uh, Orla Tzion recommends to only consume it during a bread meal, just to be choshesh for the suffix of the shita of the Ramah, but clearly standard Svartik psak is that it's mizonos, <coughs> that it's not hamotzi. So, uh, so if the guy wants to eat 216 grams of egg chala, there's no shayla, he can use that for lechem and he can eat 216 grams of it, and he's fine, but he, he didn't want to do that. So now what do we do? Now that we know that as a Sephardi person, he can't use uh, I mean, the egg challah is, it's, it's like cake. He has, uh, he has two loaves of cake in front of him. So what should he do for Lecha Mishnah? So now we have to look at uh, potential leniencies. Is there any potential reason to suggest that the egg challah would be good enough for Lecha Mishnah? So the, the, the Rabbi Jachter has a collection of potential leniencies in his new sefer. Uh, Rabbi Jachter's newest sefer called Bridging Traditions is probably his most important work yet, uh, probably his best work yet, which is... Uh, 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 it's a, because it's safer only Rabbi Jackson could have written. Um, he, uh, he, he, he wrote a, a book explaining all the differences in Menhagen between Svartim and Ashkenazim. Because as you know, Rabbi Jackson is an Ashkenazi, Tamil Chacham, who's a Rav of a Svartic shul. The name of the shul is? Share Ora, the Sephardic congregation of Tinek. Right, that's, that's what it's actually called. Right, every time he quotes, uh, when Rav Amar was at, Share Ora, the Sephardic congregation of Tinek. I assume he had like a, some sort of repla- find, replace, you know, a feature when he was writing the book. But anyway, so... Uh, so Rabbi Jachter uh, suggests three potential uh, tzadim to be makel that maybe the Sephardi person could uh, could make lecha mishnah on the egg chalas. Number one, the Rambam in the third paragraph of Meister Paskin is really what it says in the Mishnayos and Meisros that the halacha is that if you have produce that's tevel that's not yet chumas Meisros has not been taken from it yet. But it's, it's never been nigmar malachto. You haven't finished the processing of the food yet, so you're allowed to snack from it. You're just not allowed to have an achilas keva from it. But there are a number of things, six things really, that are kova'as, that make it a keva, that, that uh, will be kova'a, that will make it that you're no longer even allowed to uh, snack from it, because the snacking itself will be considered like an achilas keva. One of those things, without going into all the details, but one of those things is Shabbos. That Shabbos is kova'as lemaiser. So even though it's not nigmar malachto, and all you're doing is snacking from it, but by virtue of the fact that it's Shabbos, Shabbos turns every achilas aray 
into an Achilles Keva. Shabbos turns an Achilles Arai into an Achilles Keva. That's true in Hilchus Maiso. So the question is, maybe we could apply that in other areas of Halacha as well. Maybe, even though uh, when you eat a piece of cake and you're not Kovea Sudan, because you're not having 216 grams on it, it's not a mozi, but maybe if you're doing it on Shabbos, that's Kovea, so that makes it a mozi. So that's wild. Why would we apply that to Shabbos? Based on Rabbi Kivager and Simitafre Shlamites. Tafre Shlamites, that's Hilchusuka, exactly. In Tafre Shlamites, Rabbi Kivager quotes such a daya of the Shibale Aleket, that even though Nachilas Arai is mutter outside of a sukkah, but not on Shabbos. Because Nachilas Arai outside of a sukkah on Shabbos becomes Nachilas Keva. Anytime you're eating, even Nachilas Arai on Shabbos, it becomes Nachilas Keva. So maybe you could say the same thing over here that you're eating Pasaba Bekistin Bachilas Arai, but it's on Shabbos, that's Kova'as, that makes it Nachilas Keva. Problem with this is that we don't pass like that shibaleh like like that Rabbi Kivager. It's a, it's a din in Maisos. It's not a din in other areas of halacha. So it's very difficult to say this as a tzad the hakel. Um, Rabbi Jackter points out that Rav Avadia makes a lot of accommodations for Svardim eating in Ashkenazi homes, uh, relying on kulas about bishalakum. Right? You know, in Ashkenazi uh, Ashkenazim rely on a non-Jew uh, on a Jew rather turning on the fire, even if the non-Jew does all the cooking. For Svardi, the Jew has to actually put the food on the fire, um, so it's a, you know, there, there are kulas that Ashkenazim have that Svartim don't have. Ravadia says, yeah, but if you're Svartim eating Ashkenazi home, you could be making like that. I remember my first year teaching, uh, my wife uh, was making chicken cutlets, and this was in the old days when we used to fry the chicken cutlets, because that's the way we did it before we discovered how to eat healthily. So, uh, so, so the uh, so my wife was uh, was breading all the chicken cutlets and whatever, and she had uh, help in the kitchen who was just putting them in the in the frying pan and frying them in the uh, in the oil. And then it occurred to me right before uh, she finished, it occurred to me that I uh, in in my shear I had a boy named uh, Sharbat and Zanjirian and Zarnigian. Uh, Zarnigian wasn't that year, but uh, two Solomon Zadas and uh, and and a, a Jacob, who also happened to have been uh, Sephardi. So we had, we had, we had all these uh, Sephardi boys in the shir. They're not going to be allowed to eat any of this. So it turns out Ravadia probably would have been Mekel and allowed them to eat it. But anyway, we, we set aside a separate... Uh, my wife fried the last few and we set aside Sephardic uh, chicken cutlets. We didn't make them any spicier or anything. They were just uh, Sephardic uh, chicken cutlets in terms of, uh, of Bishal Akum. So that was... Uh, so that, that, that's... So Ravadio is willing to accommodate a Sephardi, or even for Chalak Beit Yosef, right? Maybe we could talk about that one day, that Sephardim have uh, extra chumras in terms of Hilchus Trefas. So Ravadio is willing to make uh, concessions if it's a Sephardi learning in an Ashkenazi yeshiva, or a Sephardi uh, eating in an Ashkenazi home. But for this, absolutely not. For this, Ravadio says, no, you bring your own pita, you, you have to say, you know, there's no relying on the egg challah. So that first Tzad is not great. The second Sada Hakel is a little bit of a Sada Hakel, but not much of a Kula. And that is that the Ram holds it's not four Kibetzim that's Kovea Suda, but three Kibetzim that's Kovea Suda. So instead of having 216 grams of Egg Chala for Kovea Suda, you'd only need 162 grams of Egg Chala for Kovea Suda, which is still an unreasonable amount of, uh, of Egg Chala to have for, uh, for a person to, to want to eat. So, uh, so maybe Rav Mordechai writes, maybe you can rely on the Rambam if it's a Sephardi eating a Shana home. And then Ramon Chelio says, and there are a whole bunch of Stadim Lahakel over here. Maybe we really pass them like one of the other definitions of Pasababakisnin and not like this definition of sweetened uh, dough. Um, that, that's one suffix, which is a strange suffix because 
It's not true. We pass on like all of them. Meaning we assume that they're all giving examples. Then Ramarachelio says, even if we pass on that sweetened dough is possible because maybe the Ramah's really right that, uh, that, 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 that if it's not so sweet and still tastes like bread, that, uh, that it's not called Passover Bikisin. Uh, they, uh, they should revoke his smarty credentials. How can he say maybe the Ramah is right? Right, that's a suffix that maybe the Ramah is right. So it's uh, hard to imagine that that would even be a suffix. And maybe the fact that you eat it as the main bread of the meal makes the Ramah. Bottom line is all of Mordechai's fakos are not, you know, don't seem to really move the needle. And that's why Vadia does not accept it. Meaning. The rule is, whenever you want to attach Snifim Lahaka, I think we may have mentioned this this summer, Reisman told me once that he once went to, uh, he didn't tell me, he mentioned in Shir once, that he went to, uh, to, to the Minchas Yitzchak to get Shimush and had a Paskin Halacha. So he sat with the Minchas Yitzchak all day, one Cholamoyed Sukkah, in his Sukkah, as people were coming in and out asking Shailas. And he said he thought he'd get the most fantastic Shailas because Minchas Yitzchak got all the crazy Shailas. And he said that was all just like, you know, Milchik spoon and the chicken soup or whatever. Like it was like standard Shailas. But he said one thing he, did, he got from the Minchas Yitzchak is he asked him, um, when do you attach Snifim Lahakel? Like when can you say that there's this possible consideration? that possible consideration and when can you uh, and, and when do you say that no those are rejected opinions you can't count that as a sniflakel if you're a smarty the Ramah is a rejected opinion you don't count that as a sniflakel so Minchus Yitzchuk said he yisod which I think is a yisod in Psak. he said that when you have a primary argument that you really believe in but you just need a little to build that argument with a little extra confidence then you can attach snifim lahakel you can't just collect, though, a bunch of rejected shitos and say, oh, now I have enough sniffim lahakel and I can be makil. Meaning, you have to have a primary argument. You have to have something that you actually believe. So it's, it's, it's hard to imagine that Mordechai Eliel believes that, uh, that maybe we really paskin like one of the other definitions of possible because they're not this one. Or that maybe the Ramah is really right. I mean, that's not, there is a discussion, Rav Vadya has, how Svardim should view the Ramah. Right? Is the Ramah just like any other posek? Or is the Ramah like Dafka rejected? Or is the Ramah higher than other poskim but less than Maran Beit Yosef? Right? It's even a question how Ashkenazim should view the Ramah. Rav Shafter often likes to say uh, that, uh, that the Ramah, it's not that Ashkenazim paskin like the Ramah. It's that the Ramah paskins like Ashkenazim. Meaning, the, 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 we have no allegiance to the Ramah. It's that the Ramah just normally recorded what the Maharil said and what the Truma Sedeshan said, what the Minagashkinaz was. So uh, if we know that Minagashkinaz is otherwise, we have no allegiance to the Ramah over the Magin of Ram or, or otherwise. But anyway, that's a different discussion. So, so bottom line is, very, very difficult to say that the guy is allowed to make Lecha Mishnah on his egg chalas. So now let's, uh, uh, unless you say that you can make Lecha Mishnah on Pasabab Kisnin. Now, as a Chumrah, Shemir Shabbos Kilchsa quotes, it's a good idea that if you're at a Kiddush and you're being young, so Shmir Shabbos says that Rosh Hashanah used to take two ragalach and say Amazonos uh, uh, because you might as well be Yotze Lecha Mishnah with your Paso Babakisnin also. But when you're actually being Kovea Suda and you're gonna, you, you need to say Amotzi, so you're, gonna, you're not going to say Amazonos, you want to say Amotzi. So Lechor, it's very, you can't really do that with Egg Chalas. So then the question is okay, but he, he was holding two things. He was holding the Egg Chalas in one hand, he was holding the sliced bread in the other hand. And I realize I'm going way over over time over here, but it's a Gishmak Sugya. So, w- what about the sliced bread? Can you use the sliced bread as Lechem Mishnah? So, the Orach HaShulchan writes that if you don't have two whole loaves of bread, use two slices of bread as Lechem Mishnah. The reason is that the requirement to use whole bread is just to demonstrate Kavach Shabbos, that you're using full loaves of bread. 
but it still actually is Lecha Mishnah, even if it's uh, sliced bread. In fact, there's a fascinating tshuva of the Nitziv in Meshiv Davar Simon Chafalif. The Nitziv's son asked that he didn't understand why his grandfather, the Nitziv's father-in-law, would give two slices of bread to any guest who showed up late to the Shabbos meal. Someone came late, he missed Lecha Mishnah, so the Nitziv's uh, father-in-law would always give him two slices of bread and say, here, you could say a mozi on that. And he also asked, can you fulfill your obligation on Lecha Mishnah with sliced bread? Then, if that's the case, the, if you have only one challah, right, it would make sense that you should just cut it into two pieces and then have your Lecha Mishnah. But the Ramah in Hilcha Shalashudis says that ideally you should have Lecha Mishnah. If you only have one challah, okay, that's, uh, that's good too for Shalashudis. What do you mean if you only have one challah, that's good too? Just cut it in half. If sliced bread works, just cut it in half. And then you'll have two challahs. And then you'll have Lecha Mishnah. Meaning the, the Nitziv son, he didn't, didn't understand. Why did Zaydi give two slices of bread for Lecha Mishnah? And if you want to tell me two slices of bread works, I have a raya that it doesn't. Because the Ramah says that if you have only one loaf of bread, that you only have one loaf. That you don't have Lecha Mishnah. So uh, the Nitziv explains, and unbelievably so, he says the, the, what determines whether something is whole or not is how it was presented to you. Meaning it's not about whether it was baked as a whole loaf of bread. The, if the first time you saw it in the context of this meal was cut up, so then each slice is considered a whole loaf. Each slice is considered its own piece. Then it says that if it was cut into slices before you arrive at the table, then yeah, you could fulfill the Mishnah with two slices. And uh, the, uh, But if the whole challah was cut in front of you, at the table, then the slices can't be used for Lecha Mishnah. So when the Ramah says that you should have at least one loaf of bread for Shalashudas, that's if you're at the meal and you, you have one loaf in front of you. So now it's too late. Now cutting it up is not going to help. The Nitzit has a fascinating raya. This is so gishmak when you see how Poskim do this. You know, it's a, you, you got to see, like, where, where would you study Halach Zalecha Mishnah? Shabbos, and maybe Gemara Mpsachim a little. The Nitzit says, Baba Kamayim Ches. Of course. Why? What does Gemara say in Baba Kamayim Ches? The Torah tells us that if you steal an ox and sell it, you have to pay five times the value of the ox. However, the Gemara learns from the word umacharo that you need to sell the entire animal to qualify as tavach umachar. But if you sell an ox and keep some ownership of some part of it, let's say one of the ox's legs for yourself, so you sell the ox and three of its legs, but you keep one for yourself, then you're not chayiv dalit vehei. The Gemara then says, what if you steal and sell a three-legged ox. So at some point before you stole it, its leg fell off. So you stole and sold a three-legged ox. So the Gemara says, then you pay Dalit Vehei. Well, what's the difference whether I steal and sell a three-legged ox or I steal a four-legged ox and I cut off one of the legs and I sell, the, I sell three legs worth of an ox to somebody else? Says in the it all depends how it was presented to you initially. That if, it was, if you got it as a three-legged ox, and to you, that's a mukharo, that's a shalem. So he says the same is true when it comes to, to loaves of bread. And he says, and that's why, you know, there's machloks, we shown him how many matzahs you have at the Seder. Do you have two matzahs or three matzahs? Those we show him that say you have two matzahs, where's your lechem mishnah? Don't you show him? He says, yeah, that's why we break the matzah so much earlier, way before we're ready to eat the suda. We break it so much earlier so that by the time it comes time for suda, it's already broken. So therefore, it's, it could still be lechem mishnah. So says the nitziv. It would turn out, according to the nitziv, uh, that you're allowed to use sliced bread for, uh, for lechem mishnah. So, uh, so Minchas Yitzchak paskins like this Nitziv and says, certainly Bishas Chak, you could rely on this Nitziv.
Tiv. So uh, basically, at the end of the day, what would you tell uh, this Sephardic counselor who now has his egg chalaz or sliced bread? Lechora, he can make his lecha mishnah on sliced bread. One more problem, though. The sliced bread is paspalter. Um, because it's uh, bakery bread, right? So it's not Pas Yisrael. And there is a practice on Shabbos, the Ramon, or Chaim Sin Reish Bey, says that there's a minik to make special challah for Shabbos, and the Mishabru over there quotes from the Magen of Ram that even those who are makel to eat Pas Palter during the week should refrain from eating Pas Palter on Shabbos, uh, not only for Lecha Mishnah, but also during the meal at all. So factory bread is Lechora Pas Palter. So can you have the sliced bread? Bichlal! On, uh, on, on, on Shabbos. In fact, uh, one of my great uh, favorite Maramakomos on this topic is uh, Rabbi David Bashevkin used to write like a top five for Mishpacha magazine. Uh, it was always a, a joke thing. Oh, yeah, so you met your uncle. Right? So he, used to, he once did a thing on top five Shabbos party snacks. So one of the top five Shabbos party snacks were the Stelladoro, you know which ones, right? The cookies? The strimal cookies. I was going to say the belly button cookies, but much more appetizing to say strimal <laughs> cookies. So the uh, the strimal cookies and uh, and 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 Rabbi Natanel Wiederblank Shlita had his shir on why you write a letter to Mishpacha magazine that you shouldn't have uh, strimal cookies on Shabbos because that's paspalter. So uh, so it's a, it may be that it's common practice to have it as a Shabbos party snack, but it's not appropriate to have it as a Shabbos party snack according to this chumrah of the Magen Avram. So a couple of things. First of all, it's a chumrah, uh, and it's not really Meikar Adin. Second of all, Ramosha has a kula that's uh, quoted in uh, Masora Journal, it's also quoted by the River of that it could be that factory bread is not even paspalter. Paspalter is where there's a baker in town, and at least you know who the baker is. But when it's a factory, it could be that it's not even an issue of, uh, of paspalter. So the chora, at the end of the day, the right thing for this counselor to do is to do lecha uh, mishnah on the sliced bread that he had. That's what I told him to do. I hope I was right about that. Anyway, uh, I thought that was a gishmak asugia, so I apologize for taking 25 minutes for the demon alakha. But I thought that was a uh, gishmak. Yeah. If the bag of sliced bread is clearly like one loaf, but it just slices, then would you be have to take that? Would, wouldn't that be nigger that it was really just one loaf, and you would have to take from two different? It seems to say that. Uh, the case was that his father-in-law sliced the challah. If it still is a gave, surah of the, of, the, of the loaf. I don't know if that really changes it. I don't know. I hear, but I don't know if that's... Can you tell someone before you enter the room to slice the bread? Yes, as the Sib says, you should have... If you don't have uh, lechem mishnah, so have your wife cut up the bread in the kitchen, and then when she brings it out to the table, it will be presented to you as lechem mishnah. Yeah, but now can she be yotzeh with that now? That's a good question. Pashas, I guess, if he's Yotzeh, she's Yotzeh. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe she wasn't slicing it in the context of a Sudi yet. It was in the kitchen before she brought it out to the... Right, the Nitziv says by uh, by the Seder, you're, you're the one that breaks it, but you break the matzah so much earlier that it's not yet in the context of a Suda. And then that's enough. Okay.